looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now, I want you to know that I'm looking out at a great group of people and many listening on the radio or downloading this off our internet that have been Christians a long time. And so when you hear another message on prayer, you think, I I already know that. I probably could do a little bit better, but, but I already know that. And I knew that you would probably have that response because it would be a similar response that I would have. But it seems that as a pastor that's going to be teaching God's word verse by verse and we come across a passage like this, that you have to let God speak to you as you're presenting God's word. And boy, did the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, clean my clock. As your pastor, one who would be praying, I would think a lot, and appropriately, the Lord once again reminded me how I need to go to another level in my own prayer life. So whether you've been walking with the Lord longer than I've been even alive, or whether you're one on the outside looking in and you want to know a little bit more about what is this thing called prayer that Christians do, I'm sensing that the Lord has the truth for you this week and next week as we open up the topic of making prayer work. Now, as I got thinking again about prayer, I got thinking about the times in our life that when we would pray and uh, really petition God as we're desperate for Him. I read a story recently about Tom Holliday and his son, Ryan. I'd like to read this story to you. It's, It's a little cute, but there's a message in it. It goes like this. When Ryan was in kindergarten, he got a goldfish. He put it in a bowl, and unlike many of the other goldfish that we had gotten, it actually lived for more than just one day, which is a miracle of itself. Does this bring back some memories of when you got goldfish? It goes on to say, as this goldfish swam around and started to grow, he got attached to it. He named the goldfish Goldie. It became a family pet. One day, Goldie started not swimming quite straight. So his dad changed the water, did all the things he was supposed to do. But he still wasn't swimming quite straight. But he'd probably be okay. Just let the water and the air get to him and he'll be all right. A few hours later, he was floating on the top of the bowl. He didn't look okay. In fact, he looked dead. So Ryan was looking into the little fish's tiny eyes and saying, maybe we should pray for him. And so his dad held his breath for a moment because do you pray for a dead goldfish? But his father said, okay, Ryan, we can pray for him. But if in the morning he's still like this, we'll understand because God takes goldfish away sometimes. And so Ryan prayed for his goldfish, Goldie. The next morning, Ryan's dad was lying in bed. The goldfish bowl happened to be in the hallway outside his room. And he heard Ryan get up before he did. He heard those little feet pattering toward the goldfish bowl. His dad was lying there in bed with his teeth clenched. And all of a sudden, he heard this sound. Yay, the goldfish is alive! And I don't know about you, but maybe perhaps in your life, you could look back over times like this where you prayed for something that you thought there was no way is this going to ever happen, but God surprised you. And maybe if you haven't prayed like that, maybe we should begin to pray and expect God to do some great things. Now, I have to be careful to tell you that it doesn't mean that every person you pray for that's deceased will come back to life again. Probably none of them will. But you see, prayer is not just asking and receiving, as some great writers will say. Prayer is really building a relationship with the Lord by communicating with Him and how important that is. 
Since this topic of prayer is so important, I really want to spend the next two weeks on it so we can give it the kind of attention that we need to drill deeper in our own walk with God. But I'll have to tell you, prayer is important. And I would like to think that a group this size, there would be people in here that would say, you're right, Pastor. I do pray and I go to my little prayer groups and we do our obligatory say in grace and occasionally I'll pray with my mate. I'll certainly pray with my kids when they want to pray. But I need to go much further in prayer. And really, prayer, as simple as little Ryan praying for his goldfish is, the prayers in the Bible are rich and they're deep and they're full with a lot of meaning. And therefore, it gets the kind of eternal results, the results that we would like to see in the people's lives for whom we're praying as well. But again, we have to go back to prayer. What is prayer and what it's not? And I find that people pray a lot of different kinds of prayers. And I'm only going to select two of them, and there are many of them. But some people pray like we call it a slot machine prayer. Uh, they go like you drop your money in the slot machine, as I'm told, and you pull the hander, handle, and out might come some reward coins. And so some people say, well, I'm going to pray to the Lord and I just might get lucky. And today he'll answer that particular request that I have. And so maybe for you, prayer is like going and dropping that coin in the slot machine. And then the other kind of person will pray maybe like this. They pray like going to the dentist. They really don't go to the dentist unless they're in so much pain and everything they've humanly done to try to relieve the pain doesn't go away. So then they go to the dentist. But if things seem to be all right, they don't keep up with their regular appointments. Going to the dentist is something that they don't really do very often. And they pray the same way. They only pray when they're going through some bit of an emotional or a physical pain, whether it's dealing with health or finances or broken relationships or the fear of the future. But if everything seems to be rocking okay, then I really don't need to pray. In fact, I probably don't need to hear a message on prayer either because everything is doing well for right now. And so maybe for you, it would be like going to the dentist. But what is prayer? Going back to what I said a few moments ago, if I could reduce prayer to maybe one word, and I hate to do that, but if I could, I would say prayer is really a relationship. If you can get that, then it might help you to remove yourself from the rote praying that we do or the little stilted, now I lay me down to sleep speeches. And we begin to have a relationship. Now, I also would like you to know that people today, they might have a relationship problem with God in prayer, praying and communicating with Him. And that could be because they've had a real tough relationship with other people. They're just not very relational, we might say. Maybe you grew up in a home where you had a dad who abandoned you or neglected you or abused you in some way. And he happened to have been whatever you thought of as an authority figure. So you transfer authority figures as being subconsciously very much acting like your dad. Or maybe you had a mom who happened to be a little bit more like a, a banshee which would scream and yell and be this way. And so you just don't want to have a relationship with something that's volatile and you might think that God could be volatile. And some of you just might have a struggle with all of those things in relationship. So prayer for you is something that you have to force yourself to do. It's something that you do out of duty, but yet you're still uncomfortable with it because it's a relationship. And so I would like to one more time submit to you why you need to know who God really is like and not see God through the filter of past broken relationships, but to see who God is through the unbroken filter of God's word. And that's going to take someone who wants to have a relationship with him. And that's one thing that no preacher can now do. I can paint the most beautiful picture of God, how he provides and protects and all his attributes. But until you come to a point that you are so dissatisfied with whatever you have in this world, 
that you now say, I do want to explore this God. It has to come from you. And so we do want to talk about having this. Now again, the song was sung, it's all about the Lord, and it really is. But if it's all about the Lord, we have to realize that the Lord says it's also about other people. Let me say it another way. The way we love the Lord often is the loving of other people. For the verse says, if I love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, and mind, that's the first commandment. The second one says, love my neighbor as myself. Now, if that's all part of it, then our prayer life, while it will be talking to the Lord and praising the Lord for who He is and what He's done, it's also about praying for the others that the Lord loves as well. Communicating with them in such a special way that God would touch their life. And so that's why I put this verse in here. It says, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So here's maybe a thought that I'd like to suggest to you. When you pray, how much of your prayers are more about other people than just yourself? Than my health, my finances, my friends, my family, and let it be about the needs of other people. And perhaps maybe now you could do a little bit of self-monitoring. It doesn't mean only others and none of yourself, but you'll see so much about praying for other people. In Scripture, you'll never see where Paul prayed essentially for his own health except for one time that his eyesight and his problem that he had maybe as a thorn in his flesh would be removed. One time. It was over with. He accepted it. And he said, even in my weakness, God is made strong. So he turned his attention to others. He never once prayed that he would get a job, sell more tents, or be hired to repair more tents. But he did pray for other people. And that was what's so rich. What is so rich. Maybe some of you might recall that about 10 years ago, that great television interviewer named Larry King wrote a book. Now, I don't watch all of Larry King's interview, but he's been on the television and he's been on radio in Miami many, many years ago, that it's not hard that you've at least seen one interview of Larry King. How many of you have either seen one or heard an interview by Larry King? Would you raise your hand? Sure, many of you have done that. Well, I believe that he's interviewed people of all different faiths or lack thereof, and so I'm sure he has heard the gospel many times, whether he had Rick Warren or John Maxwell or whether he had MacArthur on, John MacArthur, he's heard it all. Well, he wrote a book and it was called Powerful Prayers where he interviewed selected people of notoriety, interviewing them about their prayer life. A couple of the people he selected were folks like Goldie Hawn and Gene Kirkpatrick and even Willie Nelson. Well, folks, I don't really remember and I'm not going to parade their responses to you. Well, here's what I thought would be interesting. If there was an opportunity for this great interviewer, Larry King, to sit down with the great Apostle Paul and get a chance to interview Paul, what is prayer? Why do we pray? For whom do we pray? Does prayer work? What's the consequences of not praying? Wouldn't it be interesting for us to turn on our television and watch Larry King talk to the Apostle Paul? But you know what? We don't have to let Larry King do the interviewing for us, do we? We can ask the Apostle Paul our own questions by just opening up the Bible and finding out what does God's Word have to say through the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is extremely transparent. If you read through the letters that he wrote to churches, just like our church right here in Honolulu, you're going to find that often, more than one time in each letter, he talks about his own prayer life, how he prayed for them, what he prayed about for them, how often he prayed how intensely he prayed for them. And that would be letter after letter, church after church, group of people after group of people. And here's what I thought was so interesting. Track with me, if you will, for a moment. He could have just prayed for the people and let it go at that. 
That's what we should do. But he chose to write it in a letter. Now, why did he choose to write it in a letter? This is the interesting part. It's because the Holy Spirit, through inspiration, wanted us to be able to read a model prayer of how we might be able to create our own prayer life for other people. So over and over again, different groups of people with different kinds of needs, we can follow the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Well, maybe it would be a good time if I had many more Sundays or many more opportunities just to teach through all of the prayers by one person in the Bible, which would be, again, the Apostle Paul. But I'm just going to pick one little section of Scripture because it is so rich, and this is where we are in 1 Thessalonians. So if you have your Bibles or if you have the outline that's given to you in your worship folder there, would you get out 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9-13? through 13? And if you'll just carefully, but with focused attention... Listen as I read this great prayer by the Apostle Paul. Here's how it begins in verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we receive and rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now, those of you that are on your beginning part of a journey, you're reading through that and you're saying, that is so rich, I I can't even take it all in. I I hardly understand anything about this prayer. That's okay. Don't feel badly. Every single one of us that began on our journey read that same prayer and we said, we hardly understand that too. But there was a choice we made and that is to stay into this and to really learn the depth of this prayer. Now I'm going to be honest with you folks, this is not the kind of prayer that I pray when I say grace with Carol over lunch today. And I'm sure it's not the kind of prayer that you pray at the certain times of your day as well. But there ought to be times that we drill deep into this prayer and really own it. And have that same attitude for the very same people that God has allowed us to influence in our sphere of life as well. It is so rich and so helpful. Because there's so much material in here, that's why I'm dividing this message into two parts. Now you might be happy to know that it actually was one sermon. And I was getting ready to deliver it. But a few weeks ago, as I went through it again, I said, this is too much and too rich to do once. So we're going to at least go through this twice. So I hope that this might help you. We could title this message, Making Prayer Work. For others of you, it might be getting a prayer makeover. And you need to learn to start praying all over again. And so I'm going to ask you, whatever style or the way you've learned about prayer in the past, I'm not necessarily asking you to throw it overboard, but I'm saying, would you just set it aside for a moment? And if you're going to say, let me start over, let me rebuild this again instead of trying to take this apart and fix this over here, let me make a new one. And where do I begin? So there's only three main principles in this passage. We will cover two today and only one next week because it is so rich. So let's look at the first thing that we can learn here about prayer from this passage. Number one is that we do need to pray frequently. Look at verse 10. I have it marked there for you. Paul says, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And that means really a basic conversation as constantly as we possibly can. Now, some of you, when you read that night and day, pray for the... Listen, I I hardly pray once a day, let alone night and day pray. And then there could be a few of you that are saying, I hardly pray once a week. 
And if I didn't come to church and you had us bow our heads and you led us in prayer, I might not even pray then. How in the world could I pray night and day? This is going to be overwhelming. Some of you might also say to pray night and day. I'd never get anything done. Well, I know the preacher little quotes, you know, the more you pray, the more you get done, the less you pray, the less you get done, all of that. I realize all that. But I'd rather go back to what scripture shows us. Paul said, night and day I prayed. Yet you would have to be honest if you follow the life of Paul just in scripture. That there was no one who was more busier than the apostle Paul. At least as an apostle serving the Lord. If you agree with that, would you say, "Uh uh-huh. So if Paul was busy building relationships, taking care of his needs, all the persecution he has gone through, writing letters, and then dealing with people, and yet he said he prayed night and day, then I think we see a man in balance. One who could say, I prayed, but I also worked. I worked, but I also prayed. And somehow at the end of his life, all that God wanted him to do got done so he could say, I finished the course of my ministry and my life and my purpose on earth with what, everyone? Joy. And so I believe that Paul said, yes, I can be busy, but I can pray. I can pray and I can still get things done. So we can pray as frequently as God would have us to pray. Look, if you will, at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 there in your notes. And here's what you read. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So not only did he pray night and day, he invited them to pray for him as well, as often as he can. Now what I'd like to submit to you would be a particular exercise that you might want to put into your life if you say, you know, Pastor, I do want to pray more frequently. What might I do? Now, there's a lot of gimmicks and gadgets that are out there. And I'm going to submit one to you. Try it. At least try this one. If you have another one that works for you, email it to me. I'd like to see it. All I'm trying to do is to encourage each one of us to build a deeper relationship with the Lord in intimacy by speaking to Him from our heart more frequently. And so here's one gimmick. One would be to pray the first two minutes. Just write that down. I'm going to pray the first two minutes. And of course, your question is going to be, of what? Well, I might say, pray the first two minutes of everything. Maybe for some of you, I don't know how you get up in the morning. Maybe you get up when the alarm clock rings or the clock radio. Maybe you have your, your, uh, your smartphone that has an alarm on it and that gets you up. Maybe you get awakened because your mate is shaking you and screaming at you. You got to get up, go to work or go to school. But whatever it might be, maybe you could take the first two minutes and you could start your day by saying something like this, Lord, I am glad that I'm alive and I have an opportunity to know you today and to serve you. Did you catch that? And Lord, I know that in this day that you're going to permit things to come my way to help build character in my life as well as to reach out and to touch other people for the kingdom. And so Lord, I want to thank you for that opportunity and I begin my day ready to go for you. Now that took probably less than two minutes. But if it's from the heart and beginning, then do it. Maybe your next two minutes will be while you're driving down the highway. And you're now talking to the Lord in that special time alone with Him. And maybe while you're doing that, you might be afraid that that as you do that, you might not be able to pay attention. Yes, you can. 
because you're probably thinking about a lot of other things before you start your day but that two minutes in the car don't turn on your radio don't put on your CD don't put on your headset to talk to someone on the phone take the first two minutes in the car tell the kids as you're taking them to school or to soccer practice to say just a moment our first two minutes we're gonna have a time of silence as we talk to the Lord and some of you men as you're in your pickup trucks you're heading into town maybe as you park your car in your job site or at your office before you get out take the first two minutes and say Lord I'm about to go into my mission field the pastor and our missionaries have their mission field this is my marketplace mission field and so Lord I pray that I'll be a man of integrity that I'll keep my eyes where they ought to be and my mind where they ought to be and share words that ought to be said and so Lord I begin my day two minutes with you now you could take that and fling that in everything from going to a game to picking up your kids to coming home to going to bed at night the point of the matter is just talk to him frequently find something that really works for you let me read to you this great writer by the name of Oswald Chambers you might have heard of him here's what he said about beginning each day in prayer morning evening he says if in the first waking moment of the day you learn to fling the door back and let God in every public thing will be stamped with the presence of God think about that C.S. Lewis wrote this about beginning every day with prayer the moment you wake up each morning all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals and the first job each morning consists of shoving it all back and listening to that other voice taking that other point of view letting the other larger stronger but quieter life come flowing in I think you know what he's getting at there don't you and so that's starting your day so find out what really triggers it for you now I talked a lot about starting your day but may I encourage you he said every day and every night that at the end of your night that you would take a moment to pray two minutes before you go to sleep you might sleep better leaving all your burdens on him reminding that God is in control of everything you can control thanking him for whatever he's done to provide for you that day or protect you from something that day and may I say something to you men my dear men here my brothers my band of brothers maybe it's something that we men need to do more often is if we do go to bed at the same time with our wife which I hope that you do that maybe the last word she might hear is your voice talking to God about her the last two minutes of every day so pray frequently find what works for you build that relationship secondly pray earnestly that verse goes on to say and I like this I want to pick out the verse it says night and day praying exceedingly some translations say praying earnestly that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith so he talks about doing it exceedingly in the Greek it talks about doing it exceedingly abundantly so our talking to God is not only we do it exceedingly we do it with abundance we talk to him again as often as we possibly can look at Ephesians 3.20 it says this now to him who is able to do talking about God exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory that phrase exceedingly abundantly look up here for a moment if you will now he says I will do for you exceedingly abundantly now what we do is we talk to the Lord that same exceedingly abundantly back to him now did you catch that he does for us we talk to him and what do you think that does 
It builds a relationship of intimacy with him. Now, I like sports. I don't see it as often as maybe some of you do, and occasionally I try to do it. I'm one of those that perhaps watches more of the Super Bowl or maybe the last of the, the championship games and maybe the World Series and, and all, the st- all the race cars. I might record the Indianapolis 500 and all at the very end to see that, hoping that I don't see who wins on the Internet before I see it after I've taped it. You know, you've been there, done that. But one thing about baseball that I like to see, and some of you that like baseball, do you remember the times when the game is very important, it's very, very close, and all of a sudden you see the swing of the bat and you hear the crack as it hits the ball, and you know that ball is traveling. And as they show you now into the outfield, there is that outfielder, and he knows that ball is going somewhere where he is not. And he is barreling because all the eyes of all the world is looking at him because he has got to essentially save the game by catching that ball. And how many of you have seen different shots on television where that ball player jumps up and his arm and his glove is even above the wall and he catches that, slams against the wall? How many are carrying lifelong injuries because of that? You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.